Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Right. So, good morning, um, Dr. Stefan. I am so, so delighted to have you. So, Dr. Stefan is the president of the Roma, um, Romanian Apitherapy and Phytotherapy and Aromatherapy Society. So, a real wealth of knowledge in this wonderful package of a human being. So um, first of all, Dr. Stefan, would you mind just doing a little introduction about who you are, where you are, and why, how did you get into this? Okay, so um, I'm located uh, here in Romania. This is East Europe, <laughs> for some people who don't know it. And uh, Romania, it's uh, what I call um, uh, AP therapy land or AP therapy country. Uh, we have a long, long history on AP therapy. We have over 500 medical doctors specialized in AP phytoaromatherapy, which is unique in the world. Even China, which is huge in terms of population, they have may maybe 10 or 15 doctors working as doctors in AP therapy. So, from this point of view, we are very well. We have a very good experience in the clinical practice, uh, in the laboratory analysis, biochemistry of beef venom, royal jelly, or behavior. Other countries are better than us because of the modern technology, modern laboratories. But in clinical practice, we are very good. Uh, I started with AP therapy over 30 years ago when I heard about the amazing healings done by beekeepers. So beekeepers who healed other people with bee products. And I was very curious. Uh, I asked, where can I learn more? And I heard that in Bucharest, there are two institutions uh, working. One of them was AP Mondia and one a Romanian National Institute on Beekeeping. And both of them have had very good libraries with hundreds of books on beekeeping and AP therapy. AP Mondia has published since 1965 hundreds of papers on the medical use, uh, health-related use of the product. So I started to learn the theory, then I practiced on my own body, my own family, and then on my patients. And step-by-step, step, um, I learned uh, several languages. And then I started to do uh, lectures and courses, uh, organizing events in many, many countries. Goodness me. Wow. And it's amazing the impact that you've had on so many people and so many doctors and beekeepers. Um, so there's many aspects of apitherapy that I know you are an expert in, but there's three in particular that I would love to hear your wisdom on. So the first one is bee venom. The second is beehive air. And the third is royal jelly. So I'll let you go whichever order you want to do them in. Okay. And uh, what specific questions uh, do you have, Paula, on these uh, three products? Well, to start with, with the bee venom, um, most people will think, but doesn't it sting to be, um, or doesn't it hurt to be stung by a bee? So obviously we want to address that because um, I know that you have special methods of applying the bee sting. So, you know, using a mesh and then there's different ways of collecting the venom. And I'm really interested in your views on that, but also how does the venom work? Why is it so incredible as a medicine? Okay, okay. Um, um, so um, bee venom, we know all of us is made in the bee body. It's made um, in the bee abdomen. It's, 
it has a lot of uh, different proteins and peptides and some enzymes, powerful enzymes, although the, the, the quantity of B venom is extremely small. It's like uh, when you dry the venom from the B venom sac and you weight it, uh, you get 0.1 milligram, which is uh, if you split one gram in 10,000 parts, 10,000 parts, then you get this amount of B venom. But it's true, it's very powerful. And it, it has uh, over 45 different pharmacological properties and actions. Um, the only problem is with these people which are allergic to B venom. Here is a, a whole subject. I have a whole conference on, dedicated on this uh, B venom allergy. But to summarize, uh, just the most important elements is first of all, is that uh, when you get 1,000 people stung by bees, maybe only a couple of them will get a bee venom allergy. Maybe one, only one of them will get a real bee venom allergy. So the question is why all the other people have no problem with bee venom and why, why this particular individual has a problem. And the, the solution is not uh, in blaming the bee venom, but solution is in searching why that individual has problems his anatomical problems or physiological problems. And here is the key to solve the situation. Uh, usually these uh, people, they have two kinds of problems. One general with the immune system. If we have, if we, they have a lot of problems with the immune system, bad diet, too much dairy products, too much red meat, uh, too much sugar, gluten and so on. And they have had infections in the past and so on, or they have had other allergies Yes, and um, the other problem, which is more important, and uh, this can be addressed, is most of these people who get severe allergic reactions, they have problem with their adrenal glands. Ah. Yes, because uh, uh, every people who is listening to us now, uh, they heard that when somebody gets a severe allergic reaction, they go quickly to the hospital by the ambulance, by the uh, helicopter. And uh, when it doesn't matter what is the allergy type, it can be from peanuts, from fish, from seafood and so on. All of them, they get injections with two big substances, cortisone or adrenaline. But if you look carefully into the biochemistry of these substances, you'll see that both cortisol and adrenaline are made in our adrenal glands here on the back, above the kidneys. Mm -hmm. So this is the big question in the solution is why these people have a low production of adrenaline and cortisol? Why the other people have a normal uh, uh, production of adrenaline and cortisol and they have no problem with the B venom? Why these individuals, they have a low production? And from the, the here, from this point, it starts the logic of thinking, okay, why this gentleman or lady has uh, weak adrenal glands? And then you address all the problems on the adrenal glands. You find in internet, there are many, many solutions. And uh, there are, let's say about 10, 12 categories of things which you need to, to improve. And then uh, these people can come back to work with the bees. Okay? Oh, amazing. That is just absolutely fascinating. Because I, I find with my own bee team, we, you know, we get stung when we're working with bees. And I was very intrigued when I learned that the Chinese had used bee stings 
um, before acupuncture and so following the meridians. So I'm very interested in where the bees sting you because they often have a lot of choices, but they will choose a specific place to sting you. And that I find fascinating. Have you got any insight on, on that? Yes, yes. In uh, our first Congress in Germany in Passau in uh, 2002, it came uh, an apitherapy practitioner from Spain, a very good one. He presented us a, a video, incredible video. He went with one of his patients to outside Madrid uh, to his APRE. And the lady was dressed, uh, protected like a beekeeper normal. And the lady was, was having problems of the low back. So, uh, and Pedro is the, the name of this guy, Pedro Perez Gomez, he was filming. So he added with a, a rod, a, a bee after bee, like a child gets the, uh, the ends from, uh, from the ground, the rod of bees, a branch of a tree. And so he, uh, this lady was having on the back here, it was empty uh, skin, like uh, uncovered by the, the, the clothes. And here she was having like maybe seven or eight bees. And the bees were like uh, kind of um, working on the, on the skin of the back, uh, speaking together, meeting, communicating by the antenna. Everything was perfect, normal. No, no reaction. And suddenly we heard in the, in the video, from the video, the lady was uh, shouting. <laughs> Something like this. And then he, Pedro came with the camera and uh, he filmed one of the bees who was previously happy, encountered uh, such an acupuncture point, as you said, and she was somehow aggressed by the, by the skin, by the acupuncture point, by the bioenergy, or maybe by the carbon dioxide. It's another theory here. And uh, because the, the bees are uh, kind of stimulated negatively by the carbon dioxide, when we come too close to the beehive and we breathe like, Mm -hmm. the bears are doing, then the bees, uh, they get the signal, carbon dioxide is something coming from the bears, from aggressors, and they start to defend. So the, uh, the point is that the bee was uh, stinging that point. And then from this observation, Pedro came with a method. Uh, he's using the bees, like uh, let's say here is the, the hand, uh, the, the skin, like the, the meridians are here. And mm -hmm. he was the bee with a tweezer and he was kind of flying over the skin like a helicopter, like a half of a centimeter above the, the skin. And when the bee would feel a trigger point or an acupuncture point, which is with a problem, then the bee will sting there. Uh, so the bee chooses the point. And uh, this also comes together with other observations from many different countries. Uh, many beekeepers uh, told us that sometimes they have a, uh, arthritis, for example, only on this uh, left hand or only on here. And they, they come near the bees with uh, open uh, elbows, open knees, uh, face open and so on, but the bee comes exactly here, not on the other areas of the skin, which are also open. So why? Because the bees, this is the theory, they can see uh, not only ultraviolet, they can see somehow our aura, and then they see that this is the weak spot we have. It's like when they attack a bear, which uh, it, it, it the bear attacks the bees, the weakest spot of a bear is the nose. So 
but maybe the eyes here too. The rest is the fur. But they attack the weakest spot. And in our case, the weakest spot in the body is the area where you have a disease, a problem. So they go there and they attack there. And then most of these people who, who tells us this kind of story, they said, I was cured of arthritis on this uh, joint after this thing on this point. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so, but when a bee stings you on your hand or somewhere on your body, it dies. So with apitherapy, where you are, um, you know, you're obviously going to be using a lot of venom or from a lot of bees. How do you balance that without killing lots of bees? So how does that work? Yes, yes. I have a PowerPoint with the 12 methods to use a bee without killing it. <laughs> oh. Okay, so there are many, many different methods. I'm telling you a few of them. And you already pre-mentioned the kind of. So first of all is to to collect the venom with those special electrical devices. The bees are a bit stressed by these electrical impulses and they release the venom. This is the best and the softest way if you want because on a such plaque of a bee venom collector, you can get like 10,000 bees to sting. And maybe from 10,000, maybe one or two will die if uh, there is kind of a traffic jam or something like this, they get the block. But in the case, uh, as you mentioned, when we do bee stings directly with the bees, in each of these cases, the bee will die. So it's much, much better for the bees to collect the venom, like to, to milk the, the, the uh, bees of the, their venom, and to get the venom in the crystallized form. And from these crystallized forms, there are many ways to do preparations, products, injectable creams, ointments, liniments, many, many different products. And these products, like let's say you can apply on the acupuncture points, on the meridians. And the huge advantage of these creams is that you can apply on hundreds of points in one session. Like in 30 minutes, one hour, you can stimulate 100 points. But with these things, you cannot do 100 uh, these things uh, in one session because uh, the patient cannot uh, stand so, much, so many these things. So, uh, this is uh, one option. And then there are other options with uh, if we, you need really the bee sting, because it's true that the bee venom from the bee sting, uh, bee sting is, it's more active, it has more enzymes and more it's more anti-cancer, anti-tumoral and so on, and um, for the blood flow and so on and so on. Yes, but there is a, one, one method that I know from one of the beekeepers in Romania, a very clever one, but it takes um, a kind of finesse in the hands so he gets the bee with a tweezer, let's say a large tweezer. The bee will sting on the acupuncture point you want. And then immediately after the bee stings, when the, the stinger is very, very superficial in the skin, then he comes with another tweezer, a very thin one, and he blocks the stinger. Ah. He does not allow the stinger to go deeper. Because you know when the bee stings at the beginning is superficial, but then it comes this kind of special movement and the stinger goes deeper. So this guy blocks the stinger in the penetration and then he waits five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, the venom to come inside according to the therapeutical plan. And then he extracts the stinger from the skin. And even if the first harpoon of the stinger goes into the skin with this uh, tweezer, you can it out 
then you open here, this one, and you open this one, and the, the stinger, you see, comes back into the belly of the bee. And yes, there is another one just for the sake of our uh, viewers. It's another method, very interesting. Uh, uh, somebody from Ecuador invented this method. Uh, you know, the cosmetic pads, the ladies are using this special uh, circular uh, cosmetic pads. They are made of two, two parts. And when you open these two parts and one part of the disc, you apply, let's say, on this on acupuncture point and you sting through this half of uh, cosmetic pad. So only the tip of the stinger will go into the skin. And then you can uh, move the, the, uh, the cosmetic pad and the bee together from point to point. And the bee will not lose the stinger. Okay, so there are many other methods, as I said. Uh, important is to also to have a very good uh, epitherapy knowledge. And the one important thing here is um, that in order to heal a disease, very, very seldom we need quantity, like large quantity of venom. We, in like 95% of the diseases, we need just stimulus, like a signal. And uh, it's like I can wake up a baby saying, uh, wake up my love. <clears throat> I'm of course very it's weird I, I can make like this wake up <laughs> why to do this so with B venom small small stimulations are in most of the cases enough so there is no need for um, real B things strong B things that's why in Japan in uh, East in China and so on they invented the method called micro acupuncture like a micro B sting and in most of the cases as I said it's enough Wow, that's just fascinating. And I just I, I know that you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper with this. And I suppose it's working on that, you know, the homeopathy, that that suggestion, just the little kickstart that the body needs to heal itself. It's just having that that stimulus. So if we go on to beehive air, um, what can you tell us about beehive air i've seen some amazing places where they have masks and you've got the bees and i know as a beekeeper when you lift the hive the scent of the propolis and the honey and the wax is just it's addictive actually <laughs> that's what i miss about the winter is not being able to smell the hives <laughs> yes 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 you are right uh, paula uh, it's uh, beehive air it's fascinating is the tense bee product we use in apitherapy it's a major one. It's unbelievable that we didn't, did not use it for so many years. Um, even if it's known for hundreds of years, uh, it's therapeutical properties. And as you mentioned, the aroma of the beehive is extraordinary, especially in the evening. Because in, uh, during the day, the bees are collecting the nectar, the propolis and so on. And then in the evening, all of them are at home. They start to ventilate to evaporate the water from the nectar. And with evaporation of the water goes out also the volatiles. So ju uh, I'm just giving uh, our viewers uh, one first practical advice. If they want to get maximum of uh, uh, good effects from the beehive air, the sessions of beehive air therapy should be in the evenings. Okay, uh, then um, uh, a few scientific facts. First of all, in Germany, in Dresda, they made the study on the volatile substances from uh, beehive air. They were curious to see from what products are coming because we thought, okay, it comes from pollen, it comes from honey because it's a lot of honey, 
and so on. So the result was that over the, the over 50 different components they saw, may major, majority of them came from propolis and beeswax. And here from this discovery, we get a very, very important practical uh, uh, suggestion. Uh, we can do beehive air therapy in the summertime when it's warm enough, like when the temperature outside is over 16, 17, 18 degrees Celsius constantly. Oh, okay. So I have a problem here with my, my video, but you, you can still hear me, yes? Yes. Yes, we can still hear you. So, so my, my, my laptop gives some, some technical problems, you can hear me, yeah? So it's, uh, the idea is that uh, in the summertime when it's uh, hot, uh, hot enough, you can do behavior therapy, but you can continue practicing this kind of method, which is kind of aroma therapy from the beehive. Also in the winter time, by using propolis and beeswax separately, by using those special devices, which gets out through heat, uh, the, the volatile substance from propolis. Uh, there are propolizers, if you want. They can propolize the air from the room or the air from the, from the cars. Okay, I try again with, uh, maybe it will uh, work again the video. Good, so, so behavior is extraordinary. One other scientific fact, which is recently, a couple of years ago, it came this discovery. The beehive air itself is also antibacterial. Uh, and uh, it's unbelievable because always when we think uh, uh, for an antibacterial effect of a substance like honey and so on, you think to the amount. So you need a certain amount to kill this bacteria. And uh, our thinking was many, many years that uh, beehive air works for the asthma, for bronchitis, for uh, rheumatitis or hay fever very well because it's anti-inflammatory because it has other properties. But the team from Egypt, they showed that if you put beehive air on top of the bacteria, they die. Mm -hmm. From this property, we can uh, extrapolate uh, and we can explain better the effect of beehive air because most of the people having a rhinitis or sinusitis, laryngitis, bronchitis, and so on, they have more or less bacteria there. Maybe the bacteria are the cause of the problem, or maybe the bacteria came after, let's say, spasticity or other things. But in both cases, you need to get rid of bacteria. So beehive air acts in the same way like aromatherapy. When you use an aromatherapy lamp, inhale the essential oils, they destroy the bacteria or the viruses, like in the case of COVID-19. Same is for behavior. What is on top of this? It's a special substance made by the bee larvae, and this is called methyl palmitate. This is a discovery from one researcher from France, uh, Patrice Persidusser. And uh, if you search in the databases of biochemistry, what is doing methyl palmitate? This one is anti-inflammatory, a potent anti-inflammatory, which may be very, very good and is good against asthma, okay? So uh, it's fascinating the, the field and there are now hundreds of beekeepers all over the world uh, using uh, this method. They build a bee house, they put inside six, 10, 12 beehives, top, top, very powerful, very healthy. They check if, to have always the beehive air to be very, very clean, very, very good. 
and then they invite their customers and uh, they take the behavior. Uh, there are two big ways to use the behavior. One is as calls, um, and they call this method spa, happy spa, or happy well-being. And for this situation, they do not need necessarily the cooperation of the local doctors or chiropractors or naturopathic doctors and so on. And the other one, which is better from the medical point of view, is to work with the local doctors or the local therapists, especially for those cases which are more severe, like asthma, bronchitis, and so on. And um, usually, like 10 to 20, 30, 40 sessions, like two sessions a day. My advice is to use to have one session in the afternoon and one session in the evening to have maximum of volatile components. And then uh, uh, together with all the other B products is complementary, this time complementary to Beehive Air, uh, the results are amazing. And I give you just one example. Uh, for me, it's amazing. I am in apitherapy for 30 plus years. And in Germany, I heard first time about this method from a guy from Austria, Heinrich Hüttner. He came with this method in 2007 in Germany, he showed us. And uh, then uh, the, the People, they told us that they can heal rhinitis, hay fever. You know, rhinitis, hay fever, runny yeah. nose, uh, in six sessions, six sessions. And I said, no, it's not possible in six sessions. I'm a big doctor and <laughs> I need for hay fever, I need two months, three months to heal. And said, no, no, in our case, six sessions, 10 days, two weeks. Well, okay. I thought maybe it's um, um, a kind of, uh, you know, advertising or marketing or something. But then I heard from many other beekeepers in Germany, Austria, other countries, telling me the same. Yes, six sessions is the general number, uh, average number of sessions needed to get rid of hay fever. So this is really extraordinary. Just think how many millions of people in the world are having only this hay fever. They can benefit from high there. And it's very soft method. Uh, it's no bee stings, no allergies, no risks. And you just get in this universe of the bees. And uh, it's really, as you said, fascinating. Oh, it is. It is. And it's so pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, like you said, no stings. Um, so finally, can I, I have your wisdom on royal jelly? Because that's been used for thousands of years. It's obviously fed to the queen. Um, it's a very important substance. So again, how... Does it benefit humans? Um, why do the bees produce it? So why does it benefit the queens? And um, again, how can you collect it sustainably? You know, how can how can somebody who is buying a product with royal jelly know that it's real royal jelly and where it's come from? Where is the place to to choose it from? Okay, I start from from this part. So the best is to speak with the local beekeepers. And um, uh, the local beekeepers will tell you, oh, yes, it's complicated to get a royal jelly because you need a lot of things and so on and so on. But there is one very, very simple method. Every beekeeper can do it. And this is, uh, you tell them, okay, go and see what is the most powerful beehive in your apiary, and then locate the queen, find the queen, and take the queen out of the colony for three, four days. Uh, of course, in another safe space, okay, mm -hmm. with other bees and uh, no, no problem, not so much stress for the, the queen. And when the orphan colony has no more mother, 
they will start to produce queen cells from the existing larvae which are there. So they may do for hive 10, 20, 30 such uh, queen cells, depending on the, the type of the bee. And uh, then they'll, in each of these queen cells, it will be fresh royal jelly. So no need for transvasations of the larvae or special tools and so on and so on. And once uh, these uh, queen cells are filled with royal jelly, usually it's the maximum amount of royal jelly. It comes after three days after it starts this procedure, maybe four or five days, they can see it and they should cut out the whole queen cell with some honey, which is around maybe, and cut it uh, uh, and then put it in honey. Ah. And uh, this is the best way because when you get the royal jelly out of the queen cell, and there's a special device which absorbs it like with vacuum or long tube, on this tube, there may be microbes, spores, viruses. In any way, it's oxygen, and oxygen oxidates. So exactly the same problem like with honey centrifugation. When you centrifugate the honey, you contaminate the honey, and you lose also volatiles. And you get also spores. And so centrifugation is not a good idea. Honey, comb honey, for therapy is perfect. And based on this principle, same is for royal jelly. So I get out the queen cell with royal jelly inside, even with the larva. And here is a discovery from Germany, the queen larva on the skin of the larva, it has very powerful antiviral substances. So the users which need antiviral effect, uh, any kind of viral disease, they should eat the whole content, like the, everything which is in the cell plus the larva, the queen larva. It may look a bit mm, not so nice, but it's very, very helpful, yes? And uh, so I gave you the most important method, the best method for apitherapy for the Royal Jelly Collection. We have here in Romania, a lady beekeeper who is specialized in uh, queen rearing, and she gets like thousands of queens, and then she makes also for us uh, this method, the Royal Jelly in queen cells. It's a, a very, very good method. Now, how to use it? It's under the tongue. It's one way of administering, very, very common, because small molecules which goes into the bloodstream. You can put also on the skin for regeneration. It is well known that the royal jelly allows the queen to live like 40, 60 times longer than the other bees. So it, it contains all nutrients that the queen is needing. Also, it's another fascinating thing uh, for me when I explain in my, my lectures is uh, the queen after she's uh, fertilized by the drones, she collects the spermatozoids from the drones in that special organ in her belly, which is called spermateca. And the drone, the drone spermatozoids, they can stay in the queen belly for five, six, some people say even seven or eight years. And the human spermatozoid, after we make love with our uh, partners uh, and so on, the human spermatozoid can stay in the genital part of the woman, maximum three days, three days, one, two, three. And by the spermatozoids from the drones, years, four, five, six years, which is amazing. So uh, if you think, okay, how is the queen doing this magic? How can she maintain the spermatozoids healthy, perfectly healthy? Because when she's making the new 
eggs uh, when she's already five years old, the bee which comes, it's also perfect. So there are no problems uh, of the health of the spermatozoids. And my explanation is also in this royal jelly because the bee is only royal jelly. The royal jelly comes of course in all the bee body, including in this spermateca area. And somehow these spermatozoids, uh, which are in millions there, they can uh, live for, for many, many years. Okay, so there are many, many uses of royal jelly. I give you a, a few of them, uh, very interesting ones. The common ones for the beauty, everybody knows, uh, it uh, maintains the beauty of the face and not only of the face, but also it's very strong antiviral. So now we went all of us through this COVID-19 uh, pandemics and many people who, who knew about royal jelly, they took large amounts of royal jelly, like when it's really starting the first symptoms, you need to take huge amounts, not like uh, one gram, but 15, 16, even 20, 30, or even 40, 50 grams a day or a liter per day. And uh, 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 this can save the life of the people. And I, I know cases in Romania, including myself, I had COVID in the, in the past, and uh, I took large amounts of royal jelly, honey, propolis, and so on, and I was uh, out of the disease in five, six days. So uh, the trick is when you need large amounts of royal jelly, including when you treat somebody with multiple sclerosis, is to, to split these big amounts, let's say 10 ml, in several small portions. <laughs> the morning you take one milliliter, one hour later, one milliliter, and like this, you can spread this large amount in small portions and the body can absorb it very, very well. Yeah, so it's, it's, we can speak on real jelly, Paula, uh, one year. It's, it's really extraordinary. Um, but these antiviral properties, I, I would say, are very, very important. And the other one is for the stem cells, for the neural stem cells. People having Parkinson, Alzheimer, multiple sclerosis, and so on, dementia. They can benefit of royal jelly if they take it uh, uh, soon enough, not when it's too late. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So if somebody doesn't have access to a beekeeper and they go to a, a pharmacy or a supermarket and they see a royal jelly product, how do they know that it's real royal jelly? Okay. Uh, of course, the best is to send this uh, sample, this product to a laboratory, a good one, which can analyze uh, the composition of this royal jelly. They look usually for the pollen particles, which are in royal jelly. If the pollen particles are not from the area where it's supposed to be, like this says American uh, royal jelly or UK jelly or um, uh, Canadian, uh, UK, uh, Canadian royal jelly, if you don't see this pollen spectrum, then it's from other country, okay? It's one thing. Uh, and there is another uh, way you can do it. Come uh, look at this there. Uh, there is another way to, to check for the quality of the royal jelly is to use, I just asked my wife to give me this magnifying glass and uh, you get uh, the royal jelly and you look on the surface of the royal jelly. And if it's uh, a fake royal jelly or not good quality, maybe old uh, royal jelly, the surface of the royal jelly will be very, very flat. It's like yogurt. When you look to yogurt from above, yeah, it's tiny and very, very flat. But when it's royal jelly, because royal jelly contains immunoglobulins, apalbumins, several such uh, kind of peptides and uh, proteins, you see on the surface, like many, many, many tiny uh, concentrated royal jelly, same color, 
but concentrated. It's like uh, half of a millimeter. And even with naked eyes, you can see it. If you look carefully, you have a good light. So, and then the taste of royal jelly should be powerful. So the first taste, when you take it, it's a bit sweety. Then it's acidic. You get a lot of saliva. And then it, at the end here on the throat, it's uh, astringent, very powerful astringent. So if this taste of royal jelly is not so strong, it may be also uh, not very good royal jelly. Ah, okay, that's great. That's really useful tips. So um, what is what do you feel is your main, I know there's so many messages that you have to give people to help them understand apitherapy, but what would be your first piece of advice to somebody who is coming to apitherapy what would you say to them for them to investigate or how how should they become introduced to apitherapy okay um first of all uh, all these people they must understand how the bees are living so uh, it's like uh, you imagine that you are also a bee and then you enter into a beehive and you observe what is doing uh, there, what's happening there, and then understand why the bees are so hugely important for our mother nature, because of the pollination and all these other things. Without bees, we will not have biodiversity, first of all, and of course the crops and so on and so on, which we all know that with bees, we can get much more crops in terms of fruits, vegetables, and so on. But the point is to feel like a bee, to understand what the bee is thinking, what the bees needing and to, to really love them. And once you understand they are extraordinary creatures, all, all religions in the world, they speak about bees in so, so, so thankful words. And um, once we understand them, we love them, we need to start to protect them. And then the next step is to think how come the bees, uh, they succeed to be um, effective and surviving for over 60, 70, some says 100 million years, going through many glaciations, this kind of uh, uh, weather conditions extremely hard, and they survive. And they are all over the world. They are very intelligent, and they are excellent microbiologists. By the way, they know what to select from the nature, what kind of bacteria to split up the pollen and so on. And so the, if, the question is how the bees are protecting themselves against viruses, against bacteria, against fungus, how they can maintain the queen so fertile and so on. So when you, we have the scientific answers, what are the, the solutions proposed by the bees to us? For example, how to destroy bacteria? Then we can speak with the pharma industry and tell them, <laughs> dear pharma industry, Please change your strategy. Your strategy is killing only in the United States 100,000 Americans every year in the United States. It's more than 100,000. They die in hospitals because of infections caused by bacteria, which cannot be destroyed by the antibiotics. It's so-called nosocomial infections. And the bees, they know how to fight bacteria for millions of years. And their strategy, is to use against the bacteria many different weapons. All bee products are antibacterial, directly or indirectly. We use pharma industry use on only one molecule, only one antibiotic, only one. It's it's 
it's uh, I don't want to be very harsh, but it's a sign of lack of intelligence to use only one molecule because the bacteria is a huge, huge living being in comparison with one molecule. If you look under microscope, this is extremely small. The bacteria is huge and the bacteria must survive because the bacteria have also a lot of roles in mother nature, in the balance. They are very important. So if you come with only one such small weapon, the bacteria will find the ways to defend. And then when it comes into uh, people which are weak, weak immune system and so on, they kill these people. And these people are dying, uh, having the solution uh, maybe a couple of kilometers away in the nearest apiary. Okay, so, so understanding the bees, loving the bees, uh, understanding how they solve their problems. And then next step for a patient, let's say for a customer who has some medical problems is to think like this. First of all is to think, why do I have this disease? What are my mistakes? What are my weaknesses? To make a long list with all the causes of the causes of my problems, not just the symptoms, this on the surface. We need to go to the causes of the causes of the causes. I have a long list of such causes. And then I start thinking very calm. Okay, cause number one is this one. Uh, I don't have enough vitamin C. How can I solve this problem? I need to eat fruit with vitamin C. Uh, insomnia, because I uh, watch too much television. Cause number two, I must uh, go into dark room and so on. So for all these causes, there are solutions. And then I'm thinking, what B products can I use to neutralize some of these causes? And here is the beauty. I worked two years to writing a book on propolis, two years. And I found over 70 properties of propolis. And when imagine like this, propolis has 70 properties. And it has about 25. Royal jelly, 45. Uh, B-venom, 45. So if you combine all these properties, uh, then it's almost impossible not to improve somebody's health. Uh, only if the person is at the end of his or her life, or it's a really very severe disease, we cannot help. But in all of the other situations, we can help because you have the synergy between the B products. And I give the last, the last uh, piece of advice to our viewers. The best is, uh, so in my experience, 31 years, uh, many people ask me what product, how to use and so on. So the best advice I have for all of you is you should make a kind of beehive extract. <laughs> like to, to take from the beehive the most important substances and to put them in a jar. So this jar, I, this kind of a mixture I call here in Romania and many other countries, we call AP therapy cocktail. <laughs> All the bee products. So here would be, I need to have propolis in various extracts, water extract, alcohol extract, oil extract, pollen, beeswax, and so on and so on. I need to have uh, uh, beeswax, some small parts of uh, capping wax. And of course, I need to have royal jelly, AP larnil, drone larvae, because I have a lot of stem cells. Then bee pollen, bee bread, honey, and honey dew honey. And when I have all these components, for some situations, I may need also bee venom, but normally it's not necessary in most of the cases. And when I combine all these products, then I can get all the synergical effects from thousands of different good substances, which are working as nutrients or as protective for our health. And uh, of course, uh, many people will ask, how much uh, shall I take? How many teaspoons and so on and so on? 
my advice to all of you is to look in your country, in your region, and see who is practicing AP therapy. Just Google AP therapy practitioners, and you'll find people in many, many such regions. And if you need really some more details to go more in depth, you can contact us, of course, myself. I'm offering courses and lectures and conferences on AP therapy for many years. And we have online courses, practical courses, and so on. But do not jump directly on my, my, my help. You have many, many good people in your areas. And these people are now connected in networks uh, and the, the information flows now very, very well uh, between all of us. Just like the hive, the wisdom of the hive, the wisdom of the apitherapist. <laughs> oh, it's just been an absolute delight. And I could definitely talk to you for more than hours. <laughs> so I really look forward to when we can meet again in person at the next Apimondia or, um, or maybe even a Propolis conference. So um, thank you so much. And I would just ask that some of the um, the components you were talking about in the the beehive air, if you wouldn't mind just typing them in the chat and then I can put them in the notes. So there was Melly, there was something, was it the French had discovered in the beehive air? And that would be great. Mm -hmm. So then we can just see that. And yeah, wonderful. And I just... You know, I wish everyone could have the joy that I've had in meeting you in the in person and being able to ask you so many questions. So thank you so much. Thank you too, Paula. And keep in touch. I will do. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B. Brook. And the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on Creating a Buzz Open About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.